Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, everybody. It's Doc from the John Freakin' Mirpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. The whole secret of existence is to have no fear. Buddha. This was like about two-thirds of the way in. I think it was before Mather, in between Muir and Mather, before or after Mather. We were in a very wooded area, camped out for the night, settled in about a couple hundred yards away from the trail. And in the evening, I can hear some guy walking along with a big old bear bell, just like really clunk. Like, oh, it's some like old time, or really just a uh, mowing through with his bear bell. You just hear this gong, dong, dong, dong. It's kind of just easy going pace. And then, like, an hour later, I hear that same guy because you can tell because that's no one else has a bell like this. And he's going back the other way on the trail, just like a gong, a dong, a dong. Like, what is he doing? I'm like, there's like, 
there's plenty of spots to camp. Is he looking for something? I don't know. And hours go by. And every once in a while, I hear this same dang bell. This guy just wandering up and down the trail. I'm like, now, now it's getting dark. I'm like, what is he looking for? Who is he looking for? Is he looking for someone like me? I don't know. I mean, when you're after, your mind just really just kind of starts to wander because obviously if you wanted to camp, that would have been very possible for him to do by now. And I didn't know what to make of it, but it was all, well, you can't see anyone on the trail. It's just kind of, you can just hear people going back and forth. So even going to sleep, I can hear the bell going off again every couple hours. And I'm really freaking out. Like this person has got a little bit of a screw loose. And I hope he's not going to come looking for us or he's looking for his next victim, maybe. I don't know what. Your worst, worst fears start just like popping in your head. And then around three in the morning, I hear like gagong, gagong, like right outside my tent, right there. And I just let out this scream. I'm like, is, I don't know, what else do you do? You just go like, ah, I'm trying to scare it, him. Is this some like deer with a bell stuck on his antlers? I don't know what. I just let the scream try and scare him or it away. And just, I don't hear anything. It's like dead silence. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, help us out. Take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, on to this week's premium content. For today's episode, we have a JMT through hiker with some stories to tell. Josh McDonald reached out to me on email with a scary story, and I told him he had to come on the pod to talk about that and much, much more. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Josh. Hey, Doc. How you doing? Fantastic. How are you? Not bad. Not bad at all. Okay. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So we go strictly by trail name here on the pod. So uh, I'm Doc. And um, what is your trail name? Um, the only trail name I think I ever got was Goat. Okay. I don't, I usually hike out by myself. So I'm not usually around people who are throwing me trail names. But uh, I was up in the Adirondacks years ago uh, in the High Peaks area. And there's this one section where this kind of have to climb up this ridge. And it's a little sketchy because if you kind of fall off this rock, you can fall off a cliff. It wouldn't be good news. And this one girl was ahead of us just kind of panicked. And she was just kind of starfishing on this rock and like not sure what to do. That's a good so way kinda, to put it. I, I can see that very clearly. Starfishing. Excellent. Yeah. And like, I understand the fear. You look down, it's a far drop, but it's not too technical. But I'm like, she could panic. She could possibly get hurt. 
So I kind of scramble up the other side and just come walking up to her on this rock. And she just looks up and this quivering voice just goes like, you're like an effing goat. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of just talk her up, you know, get her knees underneath her a little bit. And she just walks up the rest of the rock. No problem. Very good. Now I wonder if she was referring to a mountain goat or if she was referring to the acronym goat. The acronym did not exist back then. This was like, Oh, something before people spoke in acronyms all the time. (laughs) Yeah. It was more the, the animal goat. I would refer to myself as the acronym GOAT ever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very good. So have you listened to the podcast before, GOAT? I have. Yes. Okay. Good. So I I only ask, I want to make sure that you're familiar with a regular feature that we do called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. Yes. Okay. Very familiar. Okay. Very good. So (laughs) I will turn to you at the end of the episode and ask you for your pro tip, something you could share with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure even uh, more epic. So don't be surprised. Okay. Do you have a favorite episode? Uh, I really like listening to, uh, which kind of got me into the podcast in the first place, like some of your section hike podcast. Because I'm kind of planning to try and do the JMT again this year. Uh So I'm kind of trying to relive some of the sections. Like, oh yeah, I remember that section now. I like, almost you don't, you kind of forget about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, after that pass, that that was a pain in the ass, wasn't it? And <laughs> so I, I like those like little increments. It was like hard, hard sells until like 10 miles. Yeah, those were popular episodes. We had, we've had a lot of feedback on those and uh, a lot of listens to those. So I think people did kind of tune in and check things out as they were preparing for their upcoming JMT through hikes. Yeah, I listened to the one twice, the one from like going up to Muir Pass, I think, just because... I remember that was the grueling part for me as well. <laughs> wow. The episodes have to be good if you're listening to, to them more than once. So thank, <laughs> thank you for that, Goat. All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must-bring gear review. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you have a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So, go. What's your uh, what's your must bring piece of gear? I would have to say my sleeping pad, which because about three four years ago, I got everyone's favorite Thermarest, whatever the heck it's called, the yellow one X Lite. Everyone mm-hmm. loves. Never got a good night's sleep on that thing. Is that the is that the it. foam is that the foam fold up one? Or is it I a blow-up so. one? Yeah, the blow-up one. Okay, got it. Yeah, the blow-up one. Uh, but, you know, crinkles like paper. Oh, I just, don't, uh, don't get me started I, on that. Oh, it drove me nuts because, like, yeah, I just started finding these, like, YouTube channels and stuff like that. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, this, this thing's the best, man. So I splurged. I started, like, trying to go lighter on my gear. You know, start to, like, ticking off every, all your old gear, getting it light. Like, oh, this thing's going to be the best. I'm going to pay extra money for this thing hated it absolutely hated it and every time i go up by myself and my wife's not with me i use her pad just because it's just weighs an extra pound but i don't care it's comfortable right <laughs> but i recently got uh the oh what is it the Clement? Mm-hmm. i think it's called it yeah Clement insulated pad it's like a four season got four or five value 
Uh-huh. I, I slept on it twice so far and it is just heavenly. And I would just make sure that I never have an uncomfortable sleeping pad when I'm out there. Getting a good night of sleep is important. And the, uh, the thermal rest one you were talking about, I think my, one of our hiking buddies had, had the same one because it got to the point where that thing was so crinkly that anytime he changed position in the middle of the night, it was, you know, it was terrible. I mean, you, it just, you, hear, you hear it throughout the whole campsite. And it got to the point that we would wait to see where he would set up his tent. And then we would, we would uh, put our tents on the other side of the campsite from him. Could not <laughs> sleep like next a, to that guy. Yeah. It's like you're sleeping by the tree the day after Christmas. It's just like <laughs> constantly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So take us through your, your, uh, your backpacking kit. What, did, what, is it, what was your backpacking gear like for the, for the JMT? What's your, what, was, what was your pack weight and what were some of the, the highlights? Oh, it was nice and hefty. This was about 10 years ago. And I, I mean, it had to weigh over 30 some pounds. Like I wasn't over concerned about trying to get to a weight that just wasn't my mindset. It was like just trying to get the right good enough gear. I had a beast of a pack. It was like a Gregory uh, something or other. It was like, well, it's, it's like the Cadillac of backpacks and like, in function and in size, weight of <laughs> a Cadillac. It's got all sorts of pockets, things like indestructible. I'm probably going to have that pack for the rest of my life. But it weighs like five and a half pounds. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I started. I remember I did try and buy an Offspray going on the trip. I just couldn't get it to fit right. And so I'm just like, well, I'm just going to buy this beast that is just wonderful. It fits like a glove, but I was, not, I was always used to heavy weights anyway. So... That wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I had like a, just a general uh, air core sleeping pad by a big Angus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I was with someone, so we had like a, a stove. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on the thing, this big stove everyone uses. Uh, Jet boil? Yeah, Jet boil. Okay. <laughs> just because like, you know, like trying to boil two or three cups of water at a time, make things mm-hmm. easy. A uh, sleeping bag probably weighed four or five pounds easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at least, it was a 30 plus pound base weight. Had to be. <laughs> okay. So not only this, not only was this before the acronym GOAT, it was also before the age of uh, ultralight. Definitely. Yeah. Got it was like, you're reading some like little like, niche blogs. People call it weight weenies. I remember the term was popular back then. Just hearing people cutting off straps and, you know, drilling holes and toothbrushes, that kind of stuff. And it's like, <laughs> I, I can't do that. And like, I can't spend that much money either on like getting this kind of gear. That's true. <laughs> that, was, That's that was definitely true. a big, big factor in everything. That's true. Buddy, in one of our very early episodes, uh, talked about the triangle of gear. And then, on uh, you know, one side, one, one corner, you had quality, one side, you had price and one, one side, you had durability. Uh, or quality, no quality, price, and uh, weight. I believe it was. And so, the lighter you go, uh, the more that that corner uh, of the expense is gonna gonna rise. So, yes, yep. indeed. <laughs> Got it. All right. Hey, let's let's back up a little bit and uh, talk about how you got involved in backpacking. You know, what where did you grow up? 
what kind of hobbies and sports were you involved with? And was outdoor adventuring part of your family dynamic when you were a kid? Not really. And I grew up uh, about an hour north of Philly in Bucks County. Not my family would not go on camping trips or hiking trips or anything. And I always like really liked being outdoors. I remember even as a kid, I really enjoyed just sleeping on the screened-in porch outside for like no reason. It wasn't like people were there hanging out. I'm just like, I think tonight I'll just go sleep on the porch, and just really enjoyed that, uh, you know, that crisp air mm-hmm. in the morning, which is always the kind of the best feeling when you're camping. Kind of wake up all snug and you have an okay night's rest and you're breathing that clean air. And I've always, I just kind of thought about that recently coming on this podcast. Like, Oh yeah, I remember just sleeping on that porch for no dang reason. And uh-huh. like, I didn't, I didn't have a tent or anything to go camp in the yard with. I just kind of slept outside when I could, but uh, yeah. So I didn't really do a whole lot of outdoor stuff, kind of played some tennis, soccer, marching band, outside for that a bit mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, in high school college went to went to art school and kind of one of my first big uh travel bugs was i went to rome i, I lived in rome for a year for school and that kind of got me the first time out of <clears throat> just out of the area before that i was my travel destination was like the shore, Jersey Shore to Pittsburgh and New York to Washington. That was pretty much as far as I've ever gone anywhere, other than like a family trip to Disney World when I was in uh-huh. fifth grade. <laughs> so just kind of getting that first taste of being somewhere else, being around different people. And it really just kind of got that bug, that, the, the, the travel bug, as you get. And just like, oh, I, I really want to start seeing different things. And just being out there more. Uh, And then graduated college, took a couple other vacations. I just went back to Europe because I just really liked going back what I was familiar with. And then a couple years after college, started dating someone whose family had a house in Breckenridge, Colorado, which was lovely, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we uh, spent a couple ski trips a year going out there. And one time we went out in the fall just to not ski, just spend fall in the Rockies. And it's a whole different scene out there. Obviously, when you're in the winter, everything's just white. It's amazing. But we actually like see the ground finally. It's a whole different beast than kind of what I was used to. And we went on for a little hike one day. Oh, I remember before I go, I didn't even have like boots or anything to go with. So I went, as one does, to the mall to find boots. <laughs> I don't really, probably wasn't even familiar with like camping stores or if I knew of one, like I probably can't afford camping store boots. I'm going to go to the mall and get boots there. So about a week before I bought a pair of Timberlands for the only thing I could find just cause everything was like out of stock. It was like springtime. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this will be fine. So I we'll go out in Colorado, start this little hike up a mountain one day with my unbroken Timberlands. First pro tip, don't do that. It's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, and a couple miles in, my feet were already, my heels were killing me. I mean, there was just like, this is a bad idea. 
But just also the first couple of miles in, I just started just being amazed, just absolutely amazed by just the landscape. Everything was bigger. The trees were bigger. The rocks were bigger. The water seemed bigger. And it was like a foggy day. We'd only made like halfway up. I think the weather conditions were, we turned around for some reason. I forget why. It was like something with the weather. But I remember just being absolutely blown away by the scenery and just thinking, man, this is what I need to see a little bit more of in general in life. Europe's nice, but I should probably start seeing a little bit more of the States. <laughs> nice. Nice. A couple of things I want to ask you about. Uh, one is, it's, a, it's kind of a common theme that we talk about on here about the, the benefit of being out in nature and just the positive aspects outweighing the pain and misery that we go through sometimes. And so here is your first experience out on the trail, wearing some unbroken in timber lines and yeah. being, being in agony after two miles, but, but still resolving to come out obviously and do this again. Right. Because what you experienced out there was, was uh, weighed more than the pain. Oh yeah. The, the visuals I can still just kind of, I was trying to even find photos. I don't even have any photos of it, but I can still like picture it in my mind, just kind of that foggy mountainside here in the water rush down. And like, it's easy to take myself back there. I also still remember, because I remember my heels hurt for like weeks after, just being outside for like three hours and those things. <laughs> but yeah, the other part stuck with me a lot more. I guess the, the boot thing did too, because I did not use them again for hiking. So that stuck with me also forever. <laughs> okay. And so what, what do you use now? Is it boots or trail runners? I have crossed over to trail runners just this year. Mm -hmm. So I have actually really tested them. I'm a little scared scared about testing them because boots have always worked out really well for me when I've gotten some like just decent I've had like two or three different pairs of boots over the past seven years but I'm really not into any brand specifically but uh yeah I've never had foot problems with a real boot <laughs> uh, like okay. never had blisters my feet are always in great shape but I'm just like I mean, trail runners sound really nice, though. So, like, I'm going to give it a shot this year, and I'm going to I'm hopefully go out some, like, good test runs in the next couple of months to make sure everything's A-OK. -okay. <laughs> and so if there were no problems previously, why, why make the change? Why, why risk it? Oh, just – well, obviously, it feels a lot better when you're walking. <laughs> I mean, I've already done a couple, like, 10, 12-mile hikes. And just, man, it's just super nice. It feels great. Just like you're like, doesn't feel like you have anything on. Doesn't feel like you have any weights on yeah. your feet. Yeah, I think the saying is for uh, every pound on your foot is like five pounds on your back. So if you have heavier footwear, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna take a, a toll on you. And you don't have that initial like, oh, I'm done, and like just plop in those like, you know, like those big things at the end of it. <laughs> and you're like, thank God I have those things off. Before it's like, oh, they're just my sneaks. <laughs> And another, another question I wanted to ask you is when did you first become aware? So that was a day hike, but when did you first become aware that there were longer trails out there and there were people who were putting stuff on their back uh, and, and being out there for, for days, weeks, months at a time. And, and you said to yourself, Hey, this might be a good idea. <laughs> well, I mean, I've always been, I knew of the Appalachian trail 
because I, I live in Philadelphia, grew up outside Philadelphia, but everyone's favorite Pennsylvania goes right, right up and around here. I've been, you know, I recognize the white blaze just happened to, you cross it by accident, just like dozens of times, just being out in different parks and it's just always around like, oh, this thing just goes up and down the whole freaking country. That's pretty cool. Uh, but I didn't really have a sense of the whole culture, honestly. But I knew like people did like backpacking trips. So I kind of slowly thought like, I should try backpacking, I think. I think I might really enjoy that. And a couple of years later, I started planning, let me do something. I don't know what, but I think I'm just going to try get some gear together and go out somewhere for a little. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm like, I think I might like this. And so I ended up uh, going to old Google, like good places to backpack and just like look up <laughs> like a list and look up uh, all these places seem cool. And then like, oh, Yosemite was great because it was easy to get to without renting a car. That's another expense. Like that's the worst part about going on some of these trips. Like you fly out. When you rent a car, it's the most expensive part of your trip. And it just sits at a trailhead for a week. <laughs> right. But yeah, Yosemite was easy to get to via bus. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to do Yosemite. Figure out what that is. <laughs> so this Colorado fall excursion, that was, was that in 05? Was that, was that the fall of 05? Yes, that was around 05-ish. Okay. I'm pretty sure. And 05, then 06. tell us about your, your Yosemite trip, which was a couple of years later, right? Yeah, that was in 08. It's my first trip. And I went out in the springtime because that's what Google says the best time to go to Yosemite is springtime. Lots Google, of big waterfalls. <laughs> Google's pretty smart sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't planning anything crazy, but started gathering gear. I had a backpack that my previous girlfriend bought me for our European vacation. It wasn't meant for like really backpacking. It was called the ems adventure 5000 wow <laughs> yes whatever it's definitely the best name for any backpack <laughs> <laughs> that's got real trail cred right there you say hey <laughs> what are you wearing i'm wearing the the ems what adventure 5000 adventure 5000 all right and with that backpack also had a smaller day pack that you could like clip to the outside had like four little clips to the side and you know, have your own little first handy day pack that you can take around with you, which I still have that day. That day pack is still great. I gave the big thing away a little bit ago. Still in great condition, honestly. Uh, I had my mom get me a sleeping bag that year for Christmas. I'm like, she's like, what do you need? I'm like, I'm going to do this trip and you buy all this gear. She's like, can you just give me a gift certificate to EMS? EMS is like the REI on the East Coast. So it's like a common camping store. Got it. It's like, I'm not going to get you a gift certificate. I need to get you a thing. I'm like, well, I need a sleeping bag. That's what I need, a real sleeping bag. So I just gave her basic specs of like, I need something that's compact, no more than five pounds, which today sounds crazy, but like, I remember back in the day, it's like, everything, your big three should nothing be more than five pounds. Your big three is 15, you'll be in good shape. I remember seeing a lot of things about that. Uh, so she got me a decent sleeping bag. She probably just went to EMS and just talked to the guy. Like, my son's going camping in Yosemite. <laughs> he said it's going to be cold. So what can I get that's small and not more than $150? <laughs> Your mom sounds remarkably like you. Was, was that an impersonation you just did there? Yes, we sound exactly alike. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so those were some of my big items. I, I got a, some of the things I splurged on was the, uh, was a snow peak mini stove, which is like at the time, I remember it was like the lightest stove ever made. It cost like 70 bucks. It was like two and a half ounces, three ounces. Still use it to this day. There are better competitors now, but a lot cheaper. But that thing was great. Uh, got my thing, I guess, air core, which held me up for like six years. Weighs like a pound and a half. That wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a bunch of algae bottles, probably. Uh, carried my big Canon 20D camera. I think 20 stood for pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so, what yeah, were I mean, some of the highlights? Of, what were some of the highlights from Yosemite? What do you What do you remember from that trip? And where Where'd you go? Uh, it went pretty darn well the first trip. Like, I I kind of took a real easy. My first trail was going on North Rim, so just kind of hiking up Mirror Lake, hiking along the North Rim and down Yosemite Falls. It was only maybe thirteen miles. I plan to do that in like four days, three nights, just to kind of be out there for multiple days straight. Was, wasn't, the goal wasn't trying to get some like far destination or climb a bunch of big peaks. It was just to test out right. backpacking, just to be out there. It's like maybe it might've been my first time ever camping by myself mm-hmm. for backpacking. And so I hiked up Mirror Lake. Hmm. And hiked up a ton of ton of switchbacks. It's just like a straight wall. It's one of those like one of the topo maps. It's just like it's black. All the <laughs> lines are all close together. Yes. And that was my first like hour hiking up, but and then just across the way, it's just like you're hiking up and seeing all those granite walls. And you're just kind of getting these like better and better views. I'm like, wow, yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and I get up to the top of the ledge and I was playing on camping there and this ranger kind of told me about this cool little spot. So you kind of get up to the ledge and head to the right, across a creek, and there's this little opening where I set up camp, and just right there was Half Dome, which just looked like there was like across the street from you. Mm-hmm. And so like that was where I ate dinner on my first night camping ever, just completely by myself, no other campers anywhere. On a ranger recommendation. Ranger recommendation. And in like in the way the light was hitting at sunset too. The one time where the light just like skips over that whole facade just mm-hmm. perfectly. And it was just one of the best nights ever. I still to this day backpacking. Yeah. I was like, some, I took some like amazing photos. Some still my favorite photos to this day. It was like the, the sunset of half dome. Sounds epic. And I'm going to, I hope I'm not stealing your pro tip, but if a, if a ranger, especially a backcountry ranger, the backcountry ranger ever gives you a recommendation on a campsite or a location, listen and do it because they know what they're talking about out there. And so. if it's not at all what you thought you wanted to do, if you're telling, if he's telling you there, if you're not going back there anytime soon, you just do whatever he tells you to do. <laughs> listen to the expert. That's right. That's right. And the thing about, uh, remember being Yosemite, obviously it's the bears, all you hear about are bears. You know, don't leave anything out. If you leave a candy wrapper in your car, the bear's going to come in at night and smash it and get it from you. Mm-hmm. And all you hear about is bears, 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 bears. And I remember that first night camping, 
I woke up in the middle of the night and just hearing animal footsteps right outside my tent. I'm just like, bear. Oh my God, bear. <laughs> but it was just a deer. But that was like maybe one of my second scariest brief moments ever on the trail. I was just like thinking, oh great, my first night out, of course it was just, there's bears coming right up to my tent. But I just kind of give it a listen. You can kind of just tell by the footprints. Like that's, that's not a bear footprint, that's a deer. <laughs> yeah, whether it's the, the hoof hitting the ground or if it's those, those uh, bloodthirsty claws coming through the dirt. So. <laughs> very good. Did you see any bears in Yosemite? Oh, I did. Actually, the very next day, I came across a cub, which you don't want to do. No. <laughs> and I was like crossing on this really just kind of smooth ridge of like rock face. And the cub was down below and I was going up. And I just like, I, if the mama bear is kind of up on the ridge, there's a good chance that I may just come around and we're both just like, I'm the thing in between. So I just kind of did a UE and just went like, could like half mile, like off trail. <laughs> just kind of went around this large rock face, just like, just to make sure to go around. So I was my first bear. Unfortunately, it was a cub. So I wasn't too happy about that part. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was a wise choice. You were thinking about it. So that's good. That's good. All right. Yeah, that, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, that North Rim itself did like the North Dome, which was fantastic. And got near Yosemite Falls end of that day, just made the mileage really quick. It was like eight miles. I'm like there by like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, ah, oh, this feels awesome. Like that really wasn't that bad. <laughs> I spent, I ended up spending two nights just camping at the same exact spot. So it's like pretty much near the ledge when you go down right. to Yosemite Falls and just spent a great, that third day, just like hanging out on the ledge, talking to some randos that are just coming up and down day hiking. And it was it was fantastic. The weather was great. Just sitting by Upper Yosemite Falls and it's like super gushiness and all its glory, just like pushing out the top. Now, Goat, when you were talking to the randos, you, you could be honest here on the podcast. Were you, uh, did you feel like a, a sense of superiority that you weren't just a day hiker anymore? You were, you were out there, you were, you were backpacking. Not at all. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I think the first group I went into were some like surveyors, which are really cool. They were taking all these photos of like the valley across, like to like measure like rockfall. And like what they were doing was much more interesting than me walking 12 miles to get there. <laughs> Just outside, they had like gear and cameras and like they were doing some important work to help future Yosemite years to come <laughs> but yeah I mean there's a couple of random people just good day hikers and no I I definitely had no superiority whatsoever at that point because again I took three days to hike 10-12 miles <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right so you you do this this fall hike in Colorado in 05 you then expand out to okay let's let's try a multi-day multi-day hike where I'm actually sleeping in the outdoors. Yeah. You do that in Yosemite in 08. How did, how did your travels develop from there? You had a great experience in Yosemite, it sounds like. What was that next? Was fantastic. Even did, after that North Rim, I got to do Half Dome, which is still to this day, just one of my favorite hikes ever. It's like climbing that thing. It's like, you just get giddy. 
like, you know, you're kind of like halfway up, just like, this is ridiculous. This is amazing. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, after that, like, yeah, all right. So what's next? What can I figure out? So go back to Google and like, what are some big things that people ask, do? Ask the Google, right. <laughs> yeah. And so logically, I, I, went, uh, I went Grand Canyon next year. Like my big trip this year is going to be Grand Freaking Canyon. Mm-hmm. And it's got the it's got the word grand in it, so I know it's it has to be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's all obviously on hikers and non-hikers alike. That's on most people's list of just things they want to do and see. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to be a little more adventurous. I'm gonna do some like real mileage, some good climbs. And I kind of looped in Zion National Park to that same trip, just because like, well, I'm out here. I'm never out here, so might as well try and. So of course, like a week and a half, I hit those two. But the Grand Canyon loop was amazing. It went down from the North Rim, uh, down a Thunder River, Deer Creek, which is like a lot of like normal water sources. Fun fact: Thunder River is the world's shortest named river, at only about a half mile long. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, it's about twenty-one miles. Hike down one side, hike along Colorado River, and then back up. And there's this, in the one side, there's slot canyons. I ran into this guy who does the same trip every single year. We started chatting. He's like, hey, you want to see some Indian pictographs? And it takes me on this little narrow ledgeway. And we just saw these, like, these, like, all these like, cold handprints and markings on the wall. Wow. It's like, I didn't, I didn't even know we were even there. I didn't read about this in any. I mean, my dad books <laughs> mm-hmm. and we, we had dinner together. He gave me a cigar, gave me a couple beers. He's like, well, cause like there's these waterfalls nearby. So the rafters are coming by. He's like, one thing, man, river people always got beer. <laughs> he doesn't hike them in. He just hikes down, goes down the river and asks other people for beers. And he's like, yeah, hopefully I'm just running this. Someone who wanted to talk to for dinner like you. I'm saving these beers for you. You want a cigar? Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, nuggets of wisdom. You get beer and pictographs. He was he was a wise man. He he gave me an extra platypus uh the, the little nozzle at the end to kind of suck the water in. Right. The night before some critter just chewed the heck out of it. So it didn't function anymore. So I had to like whittle a piece of wood and kind of use that as a plug. So every time I wanted water, it this little plug out and suck the water in. And he kind of saw that, like, why do you have a piece of wood sticking out of your, <laughs> your bladder? I got some pretty, well, I got an extra one. Always carry an extra one. And he gave me his extra little nozzle thing. And the same bag also had like a belt buckle. Like that makes so much sense. It's like, yeah, always carry an extra belt buckle. So that's probably the one piece of gear you never want to break when you're backpacking is that little one ounce belt buckle thing. That's right. So I always, I've always carried after that trip, I always carried an extra belt buckle. Yeah. Snap. Billy, Billy Yang had his, his belt buckle break on uh, his JMT through hike. I, he, I saw that. We talked like, about yeah, that a little see? bit. This is yeah. why you always carry an extra belt buckle. Do it. <laughs> Very good. And so you did Grand Canyon and Zion, which was better? Grand Canyon. Yeah. Grand Canyon is, epic like, like it, it's a whole just different scenario you feel like your body is baking it's a surreal feeling 
I remember just being at the top on the trailhead. It's like freezing out and being at the bottom the next day. And just like, it's 10 o'clock. I shouldn't be moving around anymore. <laughs> like You're just trying to stay under shade. You're, you kind of try and get where you're going down there by 10, 1030. And like your day should be done or wait until the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You just can't function properly. I remember just really being kind of like, I really got to push it. This feels awful. It's also great at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Grand Cat, I, I want to go back. I want to do that same loop again sometime soon. It's like that thing was, it was definitely surreal. Just once you get off that ledge, I just tell people anytime they're going by there, if you're planning on going to Grand Canyon, just plan at least like a four hour morning, like get up early and just walk down the ledge for an hour or so it's a completely different perspective just the way everything just opens up and it's amazing yeah i've heard from others that it was kind of surreal being down that low with these canyon walls on either side of you it feels like you're uh just in a different world down below everything absolutely kind of down there it's like i wish i was a geologist i wish i could like recognize Mm -hmm. (laughs) the history i'm looking at just the levels of millions of years of right the world just right there (laughs) okay hey we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna find out what google told told goat to do next so stay tuned for that we'll be right back Hi, this is Jason Fitzpatrick. I'm a producer, a director, a writer, an editor, photographer, probably best known for a mile, mile and a half. And you're listening to the John Freakin' Muir podcast. And welcome back. We're talking to Goat. And so far we've heard about his initial hiking, day hiking experience in Colorado and his uh, multi-day trip in Yosemite, which went very well. And that escalated to uh, hearing from Google that he should do the Grand Canyon. And he did that and Zion in uh, 09. And what did Google tell you to do next, Goat? Well, yeah. So after you know, doing Grand Canyon, doing Zion, some like, much more strenuous hikes, I'm like, all right, I, I really enjoy this. I really enjoy uh, the activity. I like being uncomfortable for a few days. I like just like my body being sore. Let me try and just do something more. I don't know what. So I started looking for trails that are like 40, 50 miles long. Cause I'm like, I want to be on like one thing for a while, not like two or three days here. Just wasn't about just like seeing a bunch of different spots. Like I want to like just be out there for like at least a week or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I obviously then, when you're looking up these things, the John Muir Trail pops up a lot. I started reading more in the John Muir Trail. Like, man, 200-some miles. That would be pretty cool. And you was, you know, you read about the JMT, and, like, this is the best section pretty much of that whole trail. And, like, man, can, can I even take that much time off work? <laughs> it's like, is that even, like, physically possible for me to, like, to go out there and take three weeks to do this thing? And... I just kind of decided that like, this is, this has got to, this has got to be what my next thing is, has to be going to check this thing off and see if I can possibly get it done. And a few weeks later, I first asked my office to see if like 
so next year, if I, you know, use my rollover days, plus my, all my vacation days, kind of lump all that into like one, three and a half thing. And they said, yeah. <laughs> nice. So that so, began so, my planning for the JMT. So what do you, what do you do to pay the, what do you do to pay the bills? How do you finance your trips? I am a graphic designer at okay. a publishing company called Running Press Book Publishing. So it's kind of like the schedules for like working on these books is like pretty, pretty know, loose. Like you can, you can definitely make up time if you like put a lot of hours in early. You can like work around these schedules. So it's, it is, it is pretty feasible if you plan well to take that much time off. Okay. And did they ask what, why you wanted the time off? Oh yeah, I th- you got to you got to tell you. Well, I'm going to do this, you know, once in a lifetime, right? 212 mile trip. You can't say no to this, can you? You're not going to deny my current dream, right? And <laughs> I'm hiking this John Muir trail. That's right. And I find that when I talk to people about these through hikes, these you know, whether it be the John Muir Trail or you know, I, I'm not talking about other people who have done the the PCT or the AT, that a lot of times people aren't that aware or maybe in the, in the past they haven't been that aware that these things even existed and so this this look of uh amazement comes on their faces like what do you, people do this what are you talking about what's what's going on was that oh absolutely was it that the reaction you bit, got oh yeah it takes some explaining like <laughs> yes. it's, it's more than i'm not really going on vacation per se i'm going out to just live in a backpack being days from civilization for about three weeks, climb over very high mountains. I'm going to go in August and it's still going to be freezing out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely takes a little bit of uh, trying to sink people's in. Like, you know, like, you know, the Appalachian Trail? Well, there's like other trails like that over West and just, but it's a much, much bigger back there. It's really cool out there. Just trust me. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll never forget my first awareness of this came. Um, I worked in education. I still work in education and we had a football coach who that was his deal during the summer was he was section hiking the Pacific crest trail. And so this was mentioned to me and I'm like, well, what do you mean? And, and he said, yeah, he's, he's like, uh, he's up to Oregon at this point. And I said, what do you mean? He's up to Oregon. What, what, what is this? Well, yeah, he starts at, at this point and then he, he walks, you know, 10, 15 miles a day and then he camps there and then he gets up the next morning and he does that all over again. He, keeps, he just keeps going north. And it was just mind boggling to me. I, I had no awareness of it. And uh, I think because of my experience talking about that and then later talking to him, that's where, you know, the whole passion started within me to do something similar. So crazy. <laughs> It's such a different mindset from like what anyone else that hasn't done it. People don't even think about the options, like doing something like that. And when I talk about it, all they want to talk about is, uh, are you worried about bears? And what, what do you eat? For the most part, those are the only two questions. Those are, the, those are the two big questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, you know what? That's a, that's a good point. What should the questions be? why do you do that <laughs> okay so <laughs> so not about bears not about you know what do you eat but but why why do you do it uh it's it really kind of centers me more than anything else i can do in my life it's uh i'm really bad at exercising on purpose if that makes sense <laughs> 
I'm not going to go a lot, an hour to go to the gym or go jogging for the, for the sole purpose of exercising. I'm just bad at like getting myself in those routines. <laughs> and so, but like, I, I was trying to stay active. Like I always would like walk to work or bike around everywhere, try to give myself a purpose. But it's hard for me just to get out for the sake of exercising. If I'm not like in a park, obviously, or something like that, I can't just like do push-ups in my living room and jog on a treadmill for an hour and just so I can train for the trail. It's like, I'm just horrible at it. But like being out there, it really kind of like physically, uh, emotionally, it's like, it gets me very Zen more than like anything else. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm horrible at like going to the living room and just like trying to meditate for a while. I can never do it. I just, it, it, it's beyond me. It's my home. But out there, it happens. It's like you start daily meditating in a way like you're not used to and you start just having conversations with yourself all day long, questions about your life, where you've been, where you're going. <laughs> and, so, and it's also, it's nonstop in your head, things I never think about. That's right. A lot of time out there to think <laughs> and have conversations with yourself and work on stuff. So absolutely. Very good. So did you do the JMT in 2011 as a solo trip? Or are you with you? Were you with somebody? Uh, I was planning it as a solo trip. Okay, I was, was planning all along. <laughs> was it northbound or southbound? Southbound. Southbound. Okay, southbound. Yeah, planning as a solo trip, and what happened? El, El Natural from Happy Isle to Whitney, and so I think maybe like six, seven months before, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he expressed. He never did backpacking, but he's like, that seems amazing. And he's someone I did go on some biking trips with. And like, I think he would be a, actually a good, even though he's never done this before, I think he'd be a pretty good partner. And like, he's thinking, I could maybe join you for part of it. I'm like, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Like, I was definitely looking forward to that time by myself. But he was going to, in the planning, he joined me at the Muir Ranch to finish it off. But then once my Buddy hopped on, and my girlfriend at the time was like, oh, you're bringing people now? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, can I come? And it's, it's kind of hard to that, – that, that's a hard thing to say no to. How do you as answer that? Right, yeah. In the back of your mind, you're like, this could be a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, like, this could be good. She was also never done any backpacking. But, yeah, she's a happy-go-lucky girl, free spirit, and like – it could work out well, but man, if it doesn't, it could be bad. <laughs> Goat, there's no, there's no hiding on the trail. I mean, you're out there 24 no. seven and, and sometimes uh, extreme conditions. So you know, the true selves come out. They do. And it did. <laughs> uh, like about, I was probably day like, 17-ish or so into the trail, we just, like, things just out of nowhere just got in a big old argument. Like, the trail is not a good place to work out your relationship issues. <laughs> is, that, is, is that the pro tip? <laughs> Mini pro tip number two. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we just, 
we had a, my buddy was kind of going, he had a bum hip or something. We were, gonna, we were planning for like a really short day. Let's, let's get up early, get up over Glen Pass. We were like up a little bit before Ray Lakes and let's just get over the pass camp. We'll be done by 11 o'clock. We'll have a good, a really good rest day. And it'll set us up for that last leg really well. And so that those first couple of miles are just like nice and flat. And the whole day before, I'm like, look at this landscape. Let's like pick it up a little bit in the morning and we'll just get up and over. And first thing in the morning, she's just like going at a snail's pace. And she's she's like just like whistling also. I can hear because I'm like waiting. She's like coming up behind she's like she knows it's bugging me she's like very very passive aggressive and <laughs> so i called her like do you think we can pick it up just a little bit and she just kind of like just sniffed at me a little bit and just like you walk your pace i walk mine and i just went like oh my worst my worst fears are coming true <laughs> and i just saw this like giant like ah <laughs> in the woods and just started hiking ahead and she just Needed her own space, I guess. We had trouble like, communicating that to each other in a healthy way. And that that's what came out on the trail. And for the first time ever, I was having like, a really bad time on the trail. So one of my worst moods was like walking by Ray Lakes and just like, and it put it a real, the last three or four days, it just kind of stayed in the back of my mind and kind of put a sour taste. And so that's kind of one of the reasons I'm, doing the JMT again to share the solo, 100% solo. <laughs> I'm going to have my own Zen for two and a half weeks. <laughs> so you can't keep us in suspense, Goat. What, uh, what eventually happened? In what part? I mean, like... Well, are, are the two day? of you still together? No. <laughs> no. No, that ended a little over a year after that. Okay, and so you got back from the JMT and hung on for about another year, and it, it kind of went went uh, went kaput. Yeah, and it stuck in my mind. It got me so angry, I could never even talk about it. Every once in a while, I was like, do you want to talk about what happened? I'm just like, I'm not, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to tell. <laughs> it's like, I'm someone who also gets angry at being angry. It's like, oh, I'm so pissed that I'm pissed right now. And just kind of, it, I just, I'm, a, I'm my own worst enemy. I just make things worse for myself. <laughs> layers upon layers of being pissed. Yeah. And, right. And it, was, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't my fault. It was just like that bad combination at that moment. Yeah. Made for a really bad time for me on the trail for a day or so. I have a feeling if she would have kept at you with that, that you might have said something to the effect of, you know, Google said that Ray Lakes was the most beautiful part <laughs> of the JMT, and I was pissed off while I was walking next to it. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, still had a JMT was obviously one of the best ever. It's the best ever. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing views up there. Uh, it's tough to have a bad day in the Sierras uh, with those views. And I really loved going southbound a lot. I just feel like the whole thing is like a giant crescendo. of Just everything just slowly like just gets a little bit bigger. Every pass just becomes a little bit more epic. Uh, 
everything about it just got better and better, like views wise, just like as you went along. I'm like, I don't know why anyone wants to go northbound. Like, <laughs> I know you got some sun on your back and it's easier to get a permit, but man, just being out there for that long, it's kind of just to get that nice, slow grandness, like day after day. And I can't, I can't wait to go back. <laughs> nice. Now, can you give us a, a top five moments from the JMT? Uh, whether it be campsites or views or anything other you want, anything else you want to detail. Top five. Uh, let's see. I mean, we did a half dome again. That was like my first day off and I could do that once a year and that'll still be my favorite day of that year. <laughs> That's pretty epic. That's, that is absolutely a, a nice moment. Yeah. We camped out like right near like that junction you get up there and you're supposed to go off to half dome mm-hmm. it's right about a half mile down there's this nice little camping spot and so you just it's really easy just to wake up at four in the morning and you're just, you're climbing that dome just as the sun kind of starts peppering the valley no one's on the cables a single person it's wonderful nice <laughs> head it to yourself uh i remember passing thousand island that's kind of one of the first big, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this, this is what the JMT is about. This is what I've been reading about. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was one of the days where, like, because of, like, mileage, we just, we couldn't, we couldn't stay there for too long. And just, we kind of blew by, we, we hung out for, like, an hour or so. It was one of our biggest breaks. But we blew by Thousand Island and Garnet. Yeah, once you pass down, then you, then you get to garnet. Like, oh my God, it's all everything's going to be now. And I specifically remember being upset because you get past that and we had one of the worst campsites of the whole damn trip. It's like, don't worry, this next pass is going to be just as good as these two things. And then you're just in the muck for the next however many miles. So much so that I went back to Yosemite years later and I just went from like Mammoth to Yosemite just so I could like spend time at Garnet and thousand island just because it's stuck in my head so much like mm-hmm. that is a good place to hang out for a bit yeah camp out nice i've had the opportunity to camp at both of those those lakes and uh you're right epic epic campsites what do you rec what's your favorite out of the two to camp at you know i am a little more partial to garnet lake I, I know that that uh, maybe runs against popular opinion i've heard a lot of positive things about thousand island but I really enjoy Garnet Lake, and there's a, a campsite on the on the Thousand Island side of Garnet Lake, uh, right up on the the rocks and the shoreline there. That is is just pretty epic. Just sitting there watching the it's sunset. One of those like ledges where there's like yes, yep. giant stairs. I remember walking by right. basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because that that's where I'm going to be starting my JMT this year. I wasn't able to get any permits for Yosemite or anything, but I'm like. The only thing I don't want to miss is Thousand Island. So I'm going up Rush Creek and that'll be like my first night is up at either Thousand Island or Garnet. So I'm kind of deciding which, which area to camp at that first night. Got it. So I, my son and I camped uh, on, on the, uh, at Thousand Island Lake in September, 2019. And it got pretty, pretty cold. Maybe that, maybe that colored my, uh, my perception. <laughs> But uh, I've, I've had a chance to spend the night at Garnet Lake on a previous trip, and that was just epic. Cool. Uh, I remember the first, next big moment was probably Silver Pass. So 
I remember that was like the first big pass mm-hmm. to go over where you can really just start seeing miles and miles right up and down the trail. It's like, oh man, I was there a couple of days ago and I'm going to be over there in a day or two. Like, that's surreal. That <laughs> and is... just like looking down, the photos look like you're taking photos with a drone. Mm-hmm. just so high up and just looking straight down We're like I just climbed up this thing <laughs> that is one of the things I love about the John Muir Trail is that you at the you know towards the towards the afternoon you, you turn around and you look back where you came from and you're like wow I was over I was way over there uh, you know past the horizon when this day started it's just incredible <laughs> uh, let's see what are we at number four yep uh, probably campsite we had after Muir Pass going southbound we were still pretty high up because I remember it was a pretty long day but just that whole day of like climbing over Muir finally getting out of that canyon with probably over 50 pounds on my back with my resupply like 10 days worth of food spent two days climbing up that giant hill that was the most uncomfortable day like, where every step just kind of hurts that first day or so with that much mm-hmm. weight. Again, over Muir Pass, and we had this great campsite just like looking down. Also, again, just like seeing for miles. The sunset was just like everything was purple. And it was one of the most beautiful spots that we camped. So it's just kind of like, okay, wherever we find a spot next, that's where we're going to camp. It was just late and we're tired, and it was just the best. Right. <laughs> nice. Then probably the last one was, which I remember hearing you talk about, was camping up in the top of Whitney, which was always my plan. I'm like, I see there's some spots up there. That's what we're going to do. Like, we're going to camp up top thing, which will just make going up the next morning that much easier. And because I would have been pretty upset if I camped a guitar like and just hiked up in the dark. Cause those views are amazing too. Just like going up those switchbacks. I mean, it's rough, but it, it's nothing else. Cause you're going for it flat pretty wild. And you just kind of basically taking an elevator up slowly, mm-hmm. just going straight up, straight up, straight up. And just every 50 feet, it's, it feels like it's a whole different view somehow. And then yeah, it was perfect weather up there. It wasn't windy, clear sky, the whole rock size, just like glowing. And we're camping like, ah, feels good yeah that was an epic campsite you're camped at about thirteen thousand four hundred feet um actually i just posted something yesterday on my instagram uh from that campsite and you can see from the picture that it's just below the 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 sign that says 1.9 miles to to mount whitney and uh, there's enough room there for six maybe seven seven tenths and did when you got up there? Did was it already taken, or there was, no there was there. room available? It was, it was all open, huh? All open. No, nice. No one else went, went there that night, and which was great. And I remember, luckily, there was enough. It's in 2011. It was like a 200 percent snow that year, mm-hmm. but there was even some water I got at the very top there. I remember because we were pretty much out for water for the night, so I kind of just walked up and over to try and find some just little trickle on the trail. And I just sat there for like an hour, like leaning the bottles against the rock. It's like this little bit of water. It's just coming down like, oh, thank God. Because I don't know where else I'm going to get water. <laughs> well, very good. Those are five epic spots. I would agree with those. Nice job. Oh, I remember also the next morning, probably the first night I only saw stars, the whole damn thing. 
because you're obviously you go to bed before it gets really dark every night and you never see the stars unless you get up to pee at two in the morning. Of course, the only time you get to see the stars when you're hiking. <laughs> but I remember waking up at like three or four in the morning. I was just, I was amped. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to do Whitney in a few hours. This is great. So I just kind of, everyone else was still asleep. Uh, and they weren't going to get up for a while because my buddy didn't want to hike up in the dark in the snow for good reason. He was, he was like just really leery. Like I want I want there to be some light out. So we're kind of waiting till a bit. So I just took my sleeping bag and my pad and I just laid outside the tent, just looked up and yeah, it's my first time to start in three weeks and just like see shooting stars everywhere and just made myself a cup of coffee at like four in the morning and just sat there and it was great. <laughs> just living the dream right there. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. So you do JMT in 2011. And then what, what are your next couple of trips? Uh, yeah. So kind of continued my, my vacation this year is going to be somewhere different. So next year I went to Olympic national park mm-hmm. and I did the, like the high divide trail. I think it's called. It's about a 20 mile loop, but did a couple other offshoots. And I went up to like blue, Blue Glacier, I think it's called. I forget. And also some hot springs on this one side. It was a great year because usually people can just drive up to these hot springs, but the road was closed that year. So the only way you can get to it is if you go like just like up and over this big pass and like only person there. It's just me. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, it sounds like a four or five day trek. It's amazing hiking through the rainforest. Almost a couple of days I hiked on the beach one day, hiking through rainforest. And hike, hike near a glacier a couple of days. Like, Olympic was, that's, that's an amazing, it's an amazing little area. <laughs> uh, did the Teton Crest Trail year later, which that, that was definitely my, probably my easiest hike. Cause it's only maybe 20 miles long, 25. Mm-hmm. I forget at least the part I did. I even took the gondola up to start and just did the rest of it. in like the span of like, three or four days. So I just took it really easy. I just kind of like, yeah, I just want to be out there for a bit. Taking the gondola, that's cheating. I know it is. <laughs> but like, I, I just, I was more into relaxing on that trip. I'm like, I'm just gonna, yeah, every, every day it was like six, eight miles. Just found a new spot. I can't buy this lake. And it, it's a pretty interesting area. Cause like you're pretty much above tree line the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, but you're, the peaks are like, instead of like looking at John, you're looking up at these peaks left and right. But then uh, in the Tetons, you're just looking to your left and to your right, and there's just giant peaks coming up. You feel it's, everything's like really close to you. It doesn't, it's not so far away. It's just this giant, really narrow ridge mm-hmm. of mountains. And it's a whole nother type of landscape. It's just really cool. And with Olympic and with Teton Crest, did you, did those require permits that you had to book ahead of time? I'm, I imagine so. I imagine with, yeah, especially Olympic, I'm sure I had mm-hmm. needed to get permits. I was always pretty, I knew what I wanted to do around Christmas time of that year. So I was like, I knew when the permit office were open the first day I was, mm-hmm. whenever it was open, I was sending my fax to the permit office. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know like I mean, 10, 15 years ago, they were still just like, only way you can do it is just send us a fax. So you have to send a fax and you have to wait 
for them to reply through fax or through the mail. There wasn't that. Not, there's no like daily lottery. Just like immediate accepts or no. <laughs> Back in the day, the good old days by fax. Wow. Oh, 10 years ago. Oh my goodness. So long ago. <laughs> so at the beginning of this episode, I teased uh, the fact that you had approached me with a scary story. And we heard about the the bear cub, but that was not the scary story. Do you want to regale us now with with the scary story and tell us which trip that came on? Sure. Yeah, that was uh, on the John Muir Trail. This was like about two-thirds of the way in. I think it was before Mather, in between Muir and Mather, before or after Mather. We were in a very wooded area, camped out for the night, settled in about a couple hundred yards away from the trail. And in the evening, I can hear some guy walking along with a big old bear bell, just like really clunk, like, oh, some like old timer, really just uh, mowing through with this bear bell. Just hearing this gong, dong, 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 it's kind of just easy going pace. And then like an hour later, I hear that same guy, because you can tell, because that's no one else has a bell like this. And he's going back the other way on the trail, just like, ga-dong, ga-dong, ga-dong. Like, what is he doing? I'm like, there's like, there's plenty of spots to camp. Is he looking for something? I don't know. And hours go by, and every once in a while, I hear this same dang bell. This guy just wandering up and down the trail. I'm like, and now, now it's getting dark. I'm like, what is he looking for? Who is he looking for? Is he looking for someone like me? I don't know. I mean, when you're after, your mind just really just kind of starts to wander because obviously if he wanted to camp, that would have been very possible for him to do by now. And I didn't know what to make of it, but it was all, well, you can't see anyone on the trail. It's just kind of, you can just hear people going back and forth. So even going to sleep, I can hear the bell going off again every couple hours. And I'm really freaking out. Like this person has got a little bit of a screw loose. And I hope he's not going to come looking for us or he's looking for his next victim, maybe. I don't know what. Your worst, worst fears start just like popping in your head. And then around three in the morning, I hear like gagong, gagong, like right outside my tent, right there. And I just let out this scream i'm like is i don't know what else do you do you just go like ah i'm trying to scare it him is this some like deer with a bell stuck on his antlers i don't know what i just have to scream to try and scare him or it away and just i don't hear anything it's like dead silence i'm just well and they're like hey it's like things how you're just trying to let these guttural sounds Spook it away, and just I hear nothing. It's like, oh, God damn. I like, get outside my tent. And I stand up, and there's this figure. You can just see this silhouetted figure that about 10 feet tall, just staring at me. I'm just like, I will die now. This is a large man, Bigfoot, something, I don't know. It's the past hours of horrible thought have come to fruition. Now I will die by this thing. And I turn on my headlamp 
and it's a freaking horse. <laughs> it's a freaking horse, and I guess they they're just near a stock camp, and they just let these big bells, these big cowbells, on them, and let them just roam around the area, and it's easy for them to find in the morning. And I was just like, "What the f?" <laughs> this whole thing was from a horse. And it's very surprising how much a horse looking at you resembles a human being. <laughs> I can just literally just picture, still picture my head, two legs, this giant body that comes out, and the head that just comes up. <laughs> Sasquatch right there. Oh, Sasquatch, still freaks me out a little bit. Sa- you know, I know it's a horse. It still just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. Sasquatch with a big bell around his neck. Oh, <laughs> 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 so i mean that sounds like straight out of a horror movie right you you've you've seen these we've all seen these these slasher flicks where you know someone's off in the woods and and uh runs into you know who knows what out there i really and, thought something horrible was going to happen for a good couple seconds there because it's like you figure if it is a person they would be like oh i'm just trying to run a campsite or if it was a critter or some beast they would scurry off or something I think you just heard nothing. It's terrifying. When you get out, and there's this 10 foot beast like 20 feet away from you. Our worst enemy sometimes is, is the inner workings of our mind as we, oh. we, we expect the, we expect the worst. The worst. We're the worst for ourselves. There's no worse enemy. That is a fantastic story. Oh my gosh. That's great. All right. So, hey, what, what's next for GOAT? You alluded to uh, this year and the JMT starting at uh, coming in through yeah, Rush Creek. Rush Creek, I believe that's right. the trailhead, like near Silver Lake, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So a nice nine mile ish, five six mile hike in to get yeah. up to Thousand Island, and then away I go back down to Whitney Portal. That'll be starting uh, August thirtieth. Oh, so, late late in the season. I it's all I could get, man. As a this permit system's frustrating as heck. Yeah. No more fax machine these days, like the good old days. <laughs> you can just hope for the best. But uh yeah, I ordered my uh, zero degree quilt the other day. I'm going nice. quilt. Going quilt. I like I, it. I'm also a little freaked out about that, but I kind of splurge you some of that uh quarantine money i've been saving up all my beer money i haven't been able to spend <laughs> very good good investment yeah and actually just i also booked a trip out to colorado for late july a little bit ago to the maroon bells four pass loop okay which i've heard been, of that one i was actually planning on maybe doing that last year before quarantine hit i was mm-hmm. planning a trip to go out to colorado and utah for a bit it's like a 25 mile loop right near Aspen. It's supposed to be just epic. That's what Google said. So um, <laughs> that's what Google said. That may be the episode, the episode title. That's what Google said. <laughs> Never steered me wrong yet. <laughs> I'm writing that down right now. Very good. Very good. Hey, goat, you know where we are right now? I believe we're near the tra- end of the end of the trail, my friend. And we're time for uh, it's time. Tip. It's time for the pro tip. That's right, the pro tip inside of the week. What uh, little piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure even better? 
I was thinking about this. And for those that do not want to bring furniture with them, as in chairs or whatnot. Like a couch? Like, or Yeah. Uh, I like to make a special lounge out of my uh, sleeping pad. I like lay down my drop cloth and I'll set up my sleeping pad kind of like against my backpack. I'll clip in it around a third of the way down. So it just kind of turns into a nice big lounge chair. And anywhere you go, you got the most comfortable spot you'll have. Better, better than a chair, even if you had one. But you're just lounging back, reading the book, having a snack, sitting by the, sitting by the river, whatever you want to do. Everyone's got a lounge chair in their pack already, just, just to let you know. That's a great <laughs> tip because I know from personal experience that after being out on the trail for a while, you miss sitting in something with a back. You're sitting on a rock. You're sitting Absolutely. on a log. You're sitting, you're sitting on your bear canister. And you're like, man, it would be so great to lean back right now. And unless you have purchased one of those you know, lightweight, expensive chairs, uh, this is another option available to you that, that people probably hadn't thought of. So nice job there, goat. But yet, even I'm, I'm still contemplating buying a chair for this trip. Because like, now that I've like lost so much weight in my pack, I'm down to about 15 pounds now. I'm like, well, how can I add some of that weight? I, got, I can definitely do, I'm used to 30. I can definitely add an extra pound or so. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy a chair. Maybe I'll buy, bring a heftier camera with me. I don't know. I can, I can definitely up it a couple pounds and be fine. <laughs> nice. Bargaining with yourself. That's exactly yeah. it. Yep. It's like a, it's like a diet. It's like put the weight off, put it back on, off and on. <laughs> yeah, going from thirty to fifteen. I mean, that's that's cutting off a lot of straps off of your bag and drilling a lot of holes in your toothbrush. Yeah, the past couple of years, I've been kind of a full gear overhaul, just slowly, like really trying to slim down a bit. You know, I'm forty three now, so I'm like, I want to do my best to keep this backpacking thing hopefully going for a few more. It's been a few years since I've been out on like a big trip. Mm-hmm. So like I'm hoping I can light the flame again, light the fuse, this John Muir trail to help get myself back there. So I'm going to purchase some like good gear, some light gear, where my body will not, like I said, I don't like to exercise on purpose much. So I'm not always in the best of shape when I head out there. <laughs> so going lighter, it's going to help me out. Nice. And do you want to speak it into existence right now that you're going to work on saving up your, your days, your vacation days, and you're going to take six months off and do the Pacific Crest Trail? No. Okay. <laughs> I, think I would, I mean, I would, I would love to, obviously. That would be a dream to be able to take off for long. That's a, that's a bit of a commitment, not just on me, but for other people in my life. <laughs> true, true. And I, I definitely don't think my job would let me take off that much work. Not that that would be the only thing holding me back. It'd probably be more just my day-to-day home life than anything else. <laughs> it's, a, it's a serious commitment. Agreed. That, that's something. But I've also thought about the AT. Cause it's like right in my back backyard, basically. Mm-hmm. Logistically, it's a lot easier. But it's definitely something that you really have to embrace that suck a lot, I think, for the AT. Yeah. The PCT just seems like a vacation compared to what I read about the AT. It's like, you really got to grind to get through that whole thing. (laughs) But logistically, I mean, I know people like around the whole middle third, you can like hop in and out of people's houses, probably get drop off, get some fresh showers along the way without paying for hotels. 
So that, that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, I have to congratulate you. Living in Philadelphia and coming out and doing the, the JMT, not once, but now a second time. So that's, that's uh, you know, it's not in your backyard. And, and you, it's a serious, a serious trip to get out here and, and do that. So congratulations on doing that. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's worth it. It's like, if you're curious about getting out there, man, just do something small. Just like, I said, Yosemite's a good place to start. You go out for just, just be outside in the woods and look at something really good for a couple of days. Don't worry about going 40 miles. Don't worry about getting an eight pound pack. Just go out with what you have and just like, you'll find out pretty quick if you like it or not. <laughs> yep. That's a, that sounds like another pro tip. Very good. <laughs> Very good. So there you have it. That's it. This bonus episode for season two is in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Goat. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Goat, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? I guess the main spot would be on good old Instagram at Joshua Hank. Uh, I post at least once a month, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. Okay. Very good. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakandmuir at gmail.com. Go ahead. I'm also looking to you to give our listeners your recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, a website, or a YouTube channel that will keep them connected to outdoor adventures. We call this our adventure media recommendation. Wow. Uh, well, it's not going to be a new one, but the mile, mile and a half documentary i just watched that about six weeks ago when i decided i wanted to do this again so i finally watched i didn't want to watch it before because i just didn't want to take me back there to be like too hard to like oh i just want to do this right now and but now that i'm going to do it i kind of did that whole refresher and just watched that and just like it's such a good movie I like I, it's just a bunch of regular people not doing they're not trying to do 40 miles in a day. They just took it nice and easy. We kind of had to with that much equipment on their backs. Yeah. Did <laughs> I you found ever... out later that they're, I was, that was the same year that I was out there. I just missed them by about six weeks, probably. Four yeah. Weeks. <laughs> yeah. Did you happen to listen to the episode we did with Jason Fitzpatrick? I did. Yeah. Yeah. He was, was he was very interesting. Very, very fun guy to talk to. Yeah. They were great. And just, especially like, once you got in about a third of the way through the move and they start getting the meat of the mountains. And like, that's when the memories just come flooding back. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's great. Nice. That's a great recommendation. That's a wrap from the John freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family goat? Anybody, anybody you want to say hi to? Oh, I got to say hi to my wife, Lauren, who helps uh, keep the homestead as I'm out gallivanting for you know, a month or so. <laughs> has has <laughs> Lauren ever asked you if she could join you on the trail? She has not. I've I've been honest and told her my stories and listed the benefits that I need for myself to be out there for a bit. And she appreciates that. (laughs) And that's why I married her. She's a good one. Not all superheroes wear capes. Nice job, (laughs) Lauren. Very good. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. Doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're on the trail between a mama bear and her cub wearing an EMS Adventure 5000. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.